Hi, I'm Tim. Um, I lead a home group here at Grace. This evening, I wonder, have you felt like there is something, a, a hobby, a, um, something that you um, see people enjoying, an activity or, or some foods that you hear about, you hear people rave about it? But with you, it just doesn't quite click. Perhaps you've seen our, our culture's enchantment with, with coffee and fun, independent coffee shops. And for you, you just can't tell the difference between a, a flat white and a mocha. Perhaps um, you hear people going to Harry Potter world, um, reading all the books, watching the films, and you couldn't really care less for the characters. Sometimes there are, there are fun small things that we just don't get. TV shows create their own, uh, their own little cult followings, their own language and phrases. But sometimes it's an important matter, and it can make us feel kind of alienated or on the outside. Perhaps you are, you are new here this evening, and that's something of how you currently feel towards church. Perhaps it doesn't make sense as to why people do the things they do or say the things they say. If so, you are, you're so welcome here this evening. Perhaps you've been around for a while and you've been, you've been coming regularly and you've grown up in church or you've, you've been in church for a little while, but you find yourself regularly looking over at that, at that person over there, there or that, that woman over there. The way they talk about their, their quiet times, that the way their faith seems to be on the outside and you find yourself comparing yourself to this person over there and it doesn't seem to click how it clicks for them. And, oh, am I missing out? Is there something better for them? Why not, why not for me? Or perhaps you've just seemed to have lost something of your past zeal when you hear of, of God or Jesus or church. It feels kind of dry. What I want to talk about today, and, and the good news for you today is God loves to reveal himself to his people. His desire is to show himself to you. This is the case throughout the entire story of the Bible. God's nature in this doesn't change. And in the Bible, we see him gradually showing himself to his people, pulling back the curtain on who he is. And this ultimately culminates in, in a member of, of the Trinity and Jesus coming as a man. And I want to make it clear that this is how God acts throughout the whole Bible. For instance, early on in the Bible, God's talking with a man called Moses. In Exodus chapter 33, now this isn't today's passage. We're not seeing when God met Moses, don't worry. We'll get there in a moment. But so God is chatting with this guy called Moses, and he's there at the tent of, of meeting, aptly named. And Moses says to God, Lord, would you show me your glory? And the reply he gets is this. I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I, will, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. God had yet to make a way for a rebellious mankind to approach a big, holy God, but he would show Moses as much as he could as much as Moses could take. We have a big, merciful God who, des who desires to show himself to us, to you. 
It is his nature, and it is the best thing possible. We have a passage uh, today in an account of Jesus' life in which Jesus, in his mercy, shows himself to a man called Bartimaeus. If you want to join me in turning to Mark 10, 46. If you've got a Bible, it'll be on the screens. They came together, and then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, that is, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus, son of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but they shouted at him all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So they called to the blind man, Cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. Immediately, he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Last week, I wasn't here at church. I was, I was traveling down to the south coast with some friends to a, a Christian festival of sorts. And that's not entirely dissimilar to what Jesus and his friends were doing here. Um, we see in verse 46 that he is with his disciples and a large, a large crowd. And as, um, as Jesus meets with this individual today, he, he's traveling to a, to a festival in Jerusalem in the south. He spent most of his time so far in the north, where he'd becoming well-known for his, his miracles and his, his teachings. But now he heads south. As this, this throng of people are heading to one of the biggest cultural, religious, social occasions of the year, there is Bartimaeus sitting there on the side of the road. We read that he is blind, and probably simply because he is blind and unable to work, he is begging. I can't say I really know what it would be like to, to live a life, a life like that. I don't know what it's like to be blind. A little while back, I, I watched a film which illuminated it a little bit. Uh, in Notes on Blindness, which is made up of the audio diary recordings of a man called John Hall, he was an academic who lost his sight. In it, John describes something of his experience of blindness. I have a desperate feeling of being enclosed that I must get out of, as if I were banging my head, my whole body against this wall of blindness, a desperate need to break through this curtain, this veil which is surrounding me. Blindness almost certainly hung over and dominated Bartimaeus' life. Dependent on others for survival, he would sit most days and ask passerbys in their pity they might give him some money to live on. Blindness dominated his life. Fear of missing out wasn't really just on the cards for Bartimaeus. It was his accepted, established position. He had no chance of making it to this festival that they were all going to. He was stuck. Continuing on, um, he must have heard that Jesus and the others were kind of coming along this road where he sat. Because we read in verse 47 that he shouts out, Jesus, son of David, 
have mercy on me. I reckon he had a fair amount of experience at shouting when he needed to, uh, to try and get the attention of other people. The reaction he got here was probably fairly routine for him. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. A man without his sight, he now has his voice stripped from him by the crowd. But this is Jesus he is crying out to. In verse 49, Jesus stops and said, Call him. He hears and he calls Bartimaeus. Before anything else happens, before anything else is addressed, Jesus gives Bartimaeus a voice. He asks him, what do you want me to do for you? God is a big fan of giving agency. He's a big fan of um, hearing what you desire, what you, what you want, what you want to see happen. He wants to bring you to the table. Yes, he already knows. It's not because he doesn't know what you want or what you need. But he wants you to know what it's like to be on the inside, to be a part of things before they happen. Our God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have been eternally interacting with one another. And in prayer, there's something of that joining into the, the, the inner workings, that familial insight to, yeah, I'm, I want to see this happen. Jesus asks him what he wants to see happen. What does Bartimaeus ask for? In verse 51, the blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. He asks for his sight. Of course he does, right? I mean, if you picked up a, a Bible, the publishers might have included the, the title, Blind Bartimaeus Receives His Sight. Blind Bart, he gets his sight. That's the story. You'd assume he wants to see. But let's think for a moment. What was, his, what was his normal? He was a beggar. He would have asked all day, every day, for money. Every day, for years. This was his default. He could quite easily have asked for money from Jesus. That would have been fairly normal for him to do. There'd be fairly easy words off his tongue. I bet some of the crowd expected that. He could have asked for uh, a large amount of money to get him through the week. He could have come in with relatively low expectations compared to what Jesus can do. What are your expectations when you come to God? Do you, do you come to him for short-term relief? Or do you expect life change? Do you go big? But he asks for his sight. And he's, he has his eyes opened. He is healed. Jesus, in his mercy, for he will have mercy on who he wants to have mercy, opens Bartimaeus' eyes what that must have been like. The haze, as, as the mind adjusts to um, shapes becoming defined and, and colors appearing, the, the blue sky in the background and the, maybe the, the back of the city gates they've just left. And in the foreground, a disarming gaze which reaches his own. The man who was healed him, Jesus. He sees Jesus. Now able to work, he need not beg. Now able to communicate with others more freely, his interactions with them need not be characterized by pity. He can follow, he can get about safely, he can join in with this festive crowd. He can go. In an age before 
audio um, recordings and guide dogs, it's fair to say that this has transformed his experience of life as it is upon a meeting with Jesus. He asked for mercy. Have mercy on me, he cried. Is Jesus merciful here? Well, the god Bartimaeus' his fathers had worshipped from something of a distance, the god who created the cosmos, walked down the road, opened his eyes, and showed him himself. While previously God was merciful to Moses and others by not allowing them to, show his, to see his face, here Jesus is merciful to Bartimaeus by opening his eyes and showing him himself. Jesus, who is the image, the embodiment of the invisible God. Jesus is better, kinder, more powerful, and more trustworthy than Jesus, than Bartimaeus, um, would have expected. He's better than we can imagine. You need to know him. You need to see him. And this, this opening of Bartimaeus' eyes is only the tip of the iceberg of, of how Jesus shows mercy towards Bartimaeus. I want you to follow me on this. So why, why in the text does it say that Bartimaeus has his eyes opened? In verse 52, it says that it is Bartimaeus' faith which has healed him. You might have heard Jesus say this before. It comes up fairly often. What does it mean? Does it mean that somehow that the strength of Bartimaeus' beliefs, positive thinking, self-help has somehow affected his body and made him healed? No. Does it mean that um, Jesus is walking down and he's just really impressed with this random guy on the side of the road who has faith and is like, okay, I'll reward him? No, it's not that either. What is it? The Bible often describes faith as a gift. Romans chapter 12 talks of faith being distributed to various people. Bartimaeus' faith in who Jesus is was a gift. It wasn't original to himself. It wasn't, wasn't worked up like a boxer preparing to go into a fight. It was a gift. In verse 48, a little bit earlier, he shouts at Jesus that he is the son of David. This is quite an unusual term, but it will help us. Son of God, we might be more used to hearing. Son of Joseph might make more sense because Joseph was his, his dad while he was growing up. Son of David. We have to turn to the, the Old Testament where much like God gradually reveals who he is to us, he also gradually gives promises to his people as to how he will save them. This is kind of unsurprising because who he is is one he will save. It's all kind of the same thing. But these promises build and they get more specific. So he starts off with Adam and Eve at the very beginning and he tells them that it's going to be one of their children who is going to crush the head of their enemy. And then it gets narrowed down a little bit more and they gets to a guy called Abraham, who's one of their, their in, in the same genealogy, one of their descendants. And Abraham is told that one of your descendants is going to be a blessing to all the earth. And then later on again, it gets to a guy called King David, and he's told that one of his sons in the future is going to establish God's kingdom forever. So the idea son of David has quite a lot of weight to the Jewish people. 
It's not a throwaway line. It, there's quite a lot of trust and hope put on these words. The Jewish people were longing for this son of David. Bartimaeus recognizes that Jesus is not simply a teacher traveling along a dusty road, but the promised Messiah. The disciple Peter had recognized this privately earlier on in the book, but by my reckoning, this Bartimaeus, this blind beggar, is the first person to publicly proclaim this in the, in the book of Mark. He has been gifted an understanding of who Jesus is, and we don't know how. Not only this, but he has a grasp as to why Jesus has come. He asks Jesus for mercy and knows that he can deliver. He knows his God is one of mercy and compassion. Perhaps he had heard verses like the one I read out at the start of God being a God who gives, who's of mercy and, and compassion. Or perhaps he's heard Isaiah 42 read out, maybe when he's been um, in a temple, which describes one who will come and will open eyes that are blind. It was a miraculous gift for Bartimaeus to have his physical sight restored. But it was the greater gift, being spiritually blind, to have his eyes opened to the knowledge of who Jesus is. This is the mercy of God on him. This is the gospel, that you were essentially blind in complete darkness, and you couldn't see. Jesus elsewhere says that those who, who walk in the darkness do not know where they are going. Essentially, we, we had no hope without him. You couldn't know who, who God is, and you couldn't relate to him. You couldn't rightly see yourself or see others, leading to a society ridden with insecurity and pride and division. Ultimately, on our own, we look to ourselves, we look inwards, we look to our own desires. Before Jesus, we are alone and blind. We can't, we can't see rightly. That is what this is saying. The Bible elsewhere portrays our states before we know Jesus as like a blind man groping around in the darkness, looking for some hope, looking for some solidity in life. Jesus also knew darkness. Jesus entered in. He, he died on a cross and um, for, for, to make a way for us, to mean that this wasn't the end of the story for us. He went into, into that. But the enemy has been defeated. Death couldn't hold him down. But... As, as Paul writes um, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter, in chapter 4, the God who said, let light shine out of the darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That's quite a mouthful. That's quite a sentence from Paul. Um, <laughs> what it means is that he, he who has said, let there be light at the start of time, has said the same thing in the innermost beings of who you are, if you know him. And the change is astromatic. And that, and that change brings an understanding of the awe-inspiring glory of God that is in the person of Jesus. It shows you who he is. He is the God who reveals himself to us, and this is the best thing possible. Why? Because this saves you. Not what you do that you may boast, 
if Jesus is correct, that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and there's no way to the Father except through him, then seeing him is the best thing possible. You need to see him. Praise God, for he is a God happy in his mercy to show himself to you and save you. If I wanted to build a friendship with you, there would be a few things you might expect when we first met. You might expect that I say my name, uh, maybe where I live, some boring stuff like what I do in my day-to-day life, standard stuff. It would then be expected that over time I would continue to kind of open up about kind of who I am and what I enjoy, that I have a massive love for, for nachos and oranges, that I love 18th century history, the kind of music that I listen to, and eventually maybe kind of my hopes and my fears for the future. If after that first meeting I just kind of closed off and it was a, I didn't really give anything away, that friendship couldn't really build. It, it wouldn't really work. It wouldn't, it wouldn't really be a friendship. And so it is with him. Jesus reveals himself to us. He opens our eyes to who he is again and again and again. There is always more of Jesus to see. There is more of him for you. He is not elusive. And we are made to enjoy what we see. The Christian message is not one of simply mentally comprehending the facts of who Jesus is. God doesn't want us to be simple repeaters of information about him. The Bible is not a God encyclopedia, but an invitation to join in with a multitude of people who have had life-changing, enjoyable relationships with him. I don't know if you've ever seen those videos of... um, they generally seem to be old people and, and children um, online, um, and, and they're colorblind, and they're given specialist glasses, enable them to see color for the first time. Um, and there's this really great moment of suspense. Everyone else knows what's going to happen, but the person often doesn't really know what they're receiving in this box. And you wait to see the moment of joy and surprise on their face. Imagine if the child opening the box seeing color for the first time, was like, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. The, the crimson, yellow hues of that sunset match what I read. Yeah, that's what I, that's what, that's what I expected. Uh, yeah, yeah can, we, can we go inside? Um, you would think there'd be something wrong with the glasses. It, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't make sense. You, you naturally expect to see a look of joy on their face as they view the beauty of the natural world. We as humans are designed to enjoy perceiving and and being in awe of beauty in the world, but principally towards God. He is beautiful, objectively so. It isn't like a great piece of art or a good piece of music that most people seem to like, but some people could dislike reasonably. There is nothing subjective about the goodness of God. When you were opposed to to him, when you were turned away from him, he has given you that which is eternally, perfectly desirable, enjoyable, and good, himself. 
he reveals himself to us. You need to see him. I think for some of you, as it has been at times for me, it's a little unsettling to hear um, this language of enjoying seeing him, enjoying seeing Jesus, enjoying seeing him in the Bible, enjoying worship. You put those glasses on and you concentrate really hard. I'm going to put these glasses on, but you don't see it. You don't feel it. You feel left out. Try this out for size. We sing um, worship songs um, that go like this. Jesus, we love you. Oh, how we love you. You are the one our hearts adore. Jesus, we love you. Oh, how we love you. For some of you, most of your experience of singing that is either duty. You're a Christian, so you've got to say it. Or aspiration. I want to feel that. If that's you, that's kind of normal to experience that at times. Don't feel like you're the only one. Sometimes I come to worship and I feel like my, how I feel um, and how I feel about wanting to say the word doesn't match what I know to be true. And our faith is not based on emotions, it's based on truth. But this is the truth that should move us, like a child seeing color for the first time. If you relate at all to this, wanting to, to mean more of, of what we sing of in worship, maybe that was very true for you earlier today. Wanting to mean more of what you sing of in worship or, or when you're reading the Bible, you're wanting to see Jesus. And you can kind of feel left out because you're comparing yourself to that person over there. You can feel insecure. What is the good news for you this evening? Genesis chapter... Uh, Galatians chapter 1, verses 15 and 16 helps us. Paul writes this. He who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son in me. He is pleased to reveal himself to you. He wants to reveal himself to you much more than you want to see him. You should see him. You want to see him. Push on and see him. But he wants it more than you. He doesn't want you to be half satisfied. He is a perfectly enjoyable God. That doesn't do him any good. He doesn't want you drifting towards lukewarmness. He is ultimately satisfying. He wanted to show himself and his truth to Bartimaeus. I reckon as Bartimaeus opened his eyes, and the first thing he almost certainly saw was Jesus. There was a wide smile on his face. Jesus was pleased to reveal himself to Bartimaeus. He is pleased to, he wants to show himself to you. That wide smile is still there. You were designed and formed before the creation of the world to know the gospel, to know the truth and to know him. You're designed to fit together. Christian, the gospel suits you well. It's not as if there's someone over there who it suits a whole lot better than you. You are made to know that truth. It is powerful in your life. It was powerful for a blind beggar who hadn't met Jesus before, who hadn't had much education. It was powerful to work in his life and change his life. It is powerful in your life. So knowing his heart, knowing what he wants, we push on. I know that he is perfectly enjoyable. I press on to know that reality. 
for my desires to catch up with what I know to be true. This text also provides us with a challenge in this way. There is one limit in this passage, um, one indicator of what can restrict your ability to see and enjoy him. Uh, To really see this, um, and this point that I think is part of Jesus' intention in what he does in this passage, and part of Mark's intention in how he records it, we have to look at the bit immediately before Jesus meets Bartimaeus. Neither the Bible as a whole or, or this book should be understood as little distinct segments to be ingested individually. So immediately before uh, Jesus meets Bartimaeus, Jesus is talking with two of his disciples. So they're two of his good friends. He sees them all the time, James and John. So in chapter 10, just before he meets Bartimaeus, in verse 36, he asks them the same question. He asks Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? James and John, how do they reply? They answer, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. Essentially, they're after position, and that's the kind of place that they think Jesus is going to make. One all about position and ego and self-glorification. Jesus has to correct them at some length and tell them that he, the Son of Man, comes not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. These disciples haven't grasped why Jesus has come yet. Jesus then walks past a blind beggar who gets it, that he comes in mercy. The contrast is almost offensive. Jesus opens his eyes. Tonight, that question is put to you too. What would you like him to do for you? Are you interested in position, in looking good in front of other people, in popularity, to be looked at in a certain way? If so, you won't want to seek him. You won't want to see Jesus. You want to look at yourself, where you are. Or do you want to see? Do you want to see him? This is the choice between looking inwards and looking at him. Do you want to push on? Do you want delight in him who is ultimately desirable? You have a choice tonight. The text says that Bartimaeus throws off his cloak and follows Jesus. Let us throw off our self-involvement and have our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. For he wants to reveal himself to you in your life, in in this book, in, in worship. He wants you to have enjoyment in what is supremely enjoyable. You may not have the testimony of having physical blindness being healed, but Christian, you do have the much greater testimony of having had God shine his light in the darkness of your hearts and so bringing you to life, freedom and joy and all that comes from that. Ask to know him more. Ask him to show himself to you. There is always more of him to see. If you are here and you've never made a decision to follow um, Jesus like Bartimaeus did, and maybe you have some questions or would like to know him, we'd love to chat with you. Don't the band want to come up? Christian, he 
has shown himself to you. That which he promised to Moses thousands of years ago holds true for you, that he will make all of his goodness pass before you and, you will and he will proclaim his name to you. That he will make all of his goodness pass before you and proclaim his name to you. And he has done so in Jesus. He's listening. The attentive ear that heard the cry of Bartimaeus amidst the thronging crowd is tuned continually to you. You are not a beggar in the kingdom of God. You do not pray like a blind man at the side of the road, calling out, unsure if anyone's going to turn their heads and hear. He is listening to you. Ask to see him. Let's worship.